The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Abortion can be a difficult subject to talk about. For those with personal experience, it may bring pain and can be hard to make sense of. Welcome to Life After Abortion with Michaeline Friedenberg and Skylar Christensen. On our program, we'll offer a safe place to begin the conversation about abortion and provide steps to start healing. Now, here's Michaeline and Skylar. Welcome. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We're so glad that you are here with us. We know that this is a challenging topic mm-hmm. um, in large part because so many of us have been impacted. And mm-hmm. so it can really bring up some painful emotions. We also don't really see this talked about in a way that would make us feel comfortable. But right. we want to assure you this is a safe place. It is, yeah. That's that's one thing that we've been talking about over and over. We just want this to be a space where we can start the conversation about abortion and, and just talk about it openly and and in, in, like we're saying, a safe place where you don't have to worry about making mistakes, maybe saying the wrong thing, but we can just talk. Just talk about it. Absolutely. Beginning that conversation. And I thought we could start by recapping yeah. some of the things that we've spoken about. Yeah, we've been doing the show for a few episodes now, so we thought it'd be a, a good time to to take a few extra minutes and just go over the topics that we've covered so far, because we, we've covered a lot of ground over the last few episodes. So in the first episode, we, we talked about just the number of people who are impacted and, and how it's often a larger number than we think of. Uh, the statistic is that roughly three out of 10 women in the United States by the age of 45 will have had at least one abortion. And that alone is a larger number than I think a lot of people consider and think that this is. And then on top of that, a lot of people don't consider that with every woman, there's a man involved in the situation, in some capacity at least. Absolutely. And then there's the family members and friends. I know when I share that statistic, I see often the look of kind of disbelief or shock on someone's face mm-hmm. and then often I'll I'll have if I'm speaking more in a, a one-on-one setting or a small group at some point someone will say how many did you say yeah and then I share that number but then it's interesting as we talk more if they feel comfortable they start to reflect and start to think about individuals in their family or friends or people they knew back in college. And then it starts to kind of sink in like, oh, you know, there probably are that many people who are impacted. But that's a whole different way of looking at things and would really inform then even when we bring up this topic to be really aware that the person we're talking to may have some personal experience. Right, right. And we talked about, you know, it's a topic that does come up often, but we're not often thinking about the person who might be hurting because of the experience. 
we bring it up in form of debate or or some kind of political stance, but because of the number of people who are affected, there's a good chance that someone in that conversation has had a personal experience and they might be hurting. So we talked about just being aware of that reality, being aware that when you're talking about this subject, it might be bringing up some pain, some hurt from someone in, in the conversation and, and realizing that that's the case and then maybe being a little bit more careful with the language that you use when you're talking about this subject. Absolutely. And we're referring to the safe place tips that we have been posting on our Facebook page, creating a safe place. So certainly we invite listeners to like that page and you can find some helpful content on there for you. Yeah, definitely. That's Facebook slash creating a safe place. It's where you can find all those safe place tips and and updates about the show. Um, And then in the next episode in the second episode we talked about the concept of disenfranchised grief i want to transition to talking about that a little bit more we discussed how the grief felt after an abortion is one that society largely does not give permission for and as a result it's it's really hard to go through the same natural grieving process as some other griefs that society does give permission for and it just makes it a lot more difficult and a unique kind of thing when when you, you know that you're feeling this kind of pain but it's treated as a non-event absolutely it's it's treated exactly as odd and a non-event and and that then you almost think that there's something wrong with you or you're not sure who to to reach out to and in fact this concept of disenfranchised grief, of, of a loss that is not acknowledged, is treated as a non-event. As you said, we're not given permission to grieve. It's something that's definitely going to key into our main topic today, which is unhealthy behaviors. But before we get to that, let's, let's continue with recapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we talked about it being a disenfranchised grief. And then one of the things that's really helpful to do in in any grieving process is to tell your story. And and what that does is it puts words to to the event, to the thing that happened. And, And doing that, sharing your story with someone, or even in an anonymous setting, being able to just write it out and and get it out, it it helps validate that it was something that happened it helps you process absolutely it it really it's making it more real mm-hmm. and then as you said if if we get to that point and we talked in the next episode about building support so certainly there there are resources and ways to begin this process of of healing and grieving in a private manner and there'll always be that aspect of things that we will do privately, but the importance yeah. of including somebody else in your journey and finding who is that safe person to talk to, and then how can I be a safe place? But then as we're speaking that, then that's another way again where you have, when you're sharing this with an individual and they're saying to you, I'm so sorry for your loss, that validates that experience. Mm-hmm. It now makes it a real event and says this was significant right it's really working to combat that disenfranchised grief element of it it's it's working to make it you know a real legitimate valid grief which it is 
Absolutely. And we have, uh, going back to those safe place tips, we have a, a list of, for build support, what are the types of things that you're looking for, right? A, a right. person who can um, keep things confidential, a person who's a good listener, a person who is going to be able to honestly know how much or how little they're going to be able to support you. We have all that listed, and people, our listeners, can go to the Facebook page. Yes, yes, yes. definitely. And then the, we transitioned from there, from talking about building support to exploring emotions, how there are a lot of different emotions that can come up with an abortion experience. Oftentimes there will be mixed emotions, some positive, some negative, all mixed together, and and just how important it is in the grieving process to explore those, to really spend some time diving in and, and figuring out where those feelings are, what they are, and Yes, and, and telling your story and, and exploring your emotions, which which really kind of go together in a way, yeah, although yeah. there's some separate things that we can do, are things we naturally do mm-hmm. when we have gone through other losses. And there are, you know, there there's kind of systems in place of family and friends getting together, going to a memorial service, or other rituals and things that we do that allow us to do it. But when it comes to a loss after abortion, that's not in place. Mm -hmm. And so we actually have to then ourselves make sure that we are doing these tasks of grieving, um, which telling your story and exploring your emotions are in there as well. And, And as you've been saying all along, so important to emphasize that there is not a right or a wrong way Mm -hmm. to react. And that when it comes to emotions, there is going to be a whole spectrum of emotions. And the intensity that we feel will be different. And that will be true for the couple who's involved as well. They may have very different emotions. They may feel the intensity of them very differently. Perhaps the first emotion that's felt by one of the partners is relief and maybe it's later that they began to feel some different, maybe conflicting emotions that come up. And I think it's so important to recognize that that is that's normal. Right. That's okay. And then begin to explore those. Right. And we talked about how one of the most helpful things that you can do for someone when they're you know, sharing their story and, and talking through some of their emotions is just to validate what they're feeling and saying, yes. you know, that's okay. You saying something like, you know, I, I can understand how you're feeling the way you are. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it just makes sense validating that. Yeah. And we just talked yes. about yeah, that whole range of emotion. It's normal. Absolutely. And that, that validating and hearing somebody reflect that back to you. I, I think sometimes we, we underestimate how powerful that is. But maybe if we can think back in our own experience on something else, and then we can begin to say, yes, um, when somebody does that, rather than dismissing us or correcting us or just kind of acting like you just didn't share something um, with them. But someone who is present with you and reflects that back is incredibly powerful in that process. And that kind of leads us right into beginning to talk about unhealthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. And we can start up uh, talking about that into our break, and then we'll continue when we come back. And so these emotions that we're talking about Sometimes they can be very overwhelming 
or mm-hmm. very confusing. And so this is when, if we don't maybe have those avenues to be able to share and express our emotions, or if this is just completely unexpected, if we were thinking that when I have this procedure, then I'm going to feel this way, and now I'm feeling a completely different way, and I'm taken by surprise, we can start to see potentially some other behaviors that are coming in right. to play. Yeah, we, we talked about during exploring emotions that you know the whole range of emotion, it's, it's normal, but like you're just saying, sometimes even though it can be a normal response, it might not be a healthy response. It might not be something that's actually good at that time for that person. Well, and I mean, if we think back, you know, and perhaps our listeners right now could could think about a loss that they've gone through mm-hmm. and what it felt like when it first happened and in those early days and those early weeks, for many people that that may either you may describe it as just being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't even remember much of what happened or maybe you were just kind of kind of numbed out by the whole experience. And that all of those are those are fairly right that's kind of a normal way that different people will deal with things. But it's if that continues on for a long time and we're not sure what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so when we come back, let's really delve into what might those unhealthy behaviors look like. And then I know in time in the program, we will talk about as well, how could I potentially help someone when we're talking about our safe place tips? And before we go to break, I do want to remind our listeners that they can certainly feel free to communicate with us through contact at abortionchangesyou.com. That's contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Perhaps you have a story to tell, you have a question, or um, a comment for us. And if you would like us not to use your name, please put that in there as well. Yeah. We look forward to picking this back up again. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you need extra space? A1 Self Storage has the storage unit you need, from closet size to garage. If you're looking to move, we have a huge selection of packing and moving supplies to help you move across town or across the country. Select locations are open for you 24-7, and we offer 51 convenient locations throughout California and Texas. Visit A1Storage.com. You can rent your storage unit completely online. Get started now at A, the number one, storage.com. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesu.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome. This is Michael Lee. And this is Skyler. We're so glad that you've chosen to be with us today to talk about this often very difficult topic of abortion Mm -hmm. and how people are personally impacted. And today we're focusing on unhealthy behaviors. And before we started that before the break, we're going to talk more about it. But before we do, I think it's Mm -hmm. important to clarify um, that neither Skylar or myself are experts in this area. Right. right. When, When we're talking about this, it's... It's at a very high level. It's we're talking about it in a way that we would we would want to model for someone who is a layman, who is a, a helper, who knows someone who's hurting, who might recognize that there's some unhealthy behavior going on, but maybe isn't sure what to do about it. That's that's really the conversation we're having right now. We, like Michaeline just said, are not experts on the topic, but we want to just talk about recognizing when something is happening and and maybe providing some tools on on where you can send someone or, or how to help them get the help that they need. Absolutely. And there are so many great resources that are available, which is which is so wonderful. Right. And it allows us to do that. And I, I know myself, for, for both myself personally, as well as for some family members, I've taken advantage of some of those tools and, and called into or to helplines or went onto websites to find out some more information because I suspected that there was something wrong with somebody that I loved. And then I was able to have people help and guide me through that. And we'll talk a little bit more about it. But that's the that's a wonderful thing. We have just this rich tapestry of resources that are available to us. But in the context of a reproductive loss after abortion, we already touched on that concept of disenfranchised grief. So you already have a complication that's that's just that is right now, meaning we have a yeah. culture who treats this as a non-event, yet the individuals who participate or who are impacted by someone's decision, it's very significant and it's very real to them. But when you don't have that sort of cultural support, it already places individuals at a disadvantage for trying to work through this process. And 
And I think even though we do have systems around other losses, you know, I don't know if our culture is actually the the best at mm-hmm. at doing that. We sometimes yeah. struggle. We use lots of euphemisms, and people are uncomfortable. And 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 when we see people hurting, we want to kind of rush in with platitudes, and and we're doing it out of good intention, but we have this level of of discomfort. And so when you have a culture already that's a bit uncomfortable with loss, sometimes we're a bit uncomfortable with emotion, which is strange. Sometimes, I mean, we can see in other arenas where it seems like emotion is dramatized and, and, and all of that. But when it comes to, to dealing with it amongst ourselves, we're not always quite sure what to do. Right. And I think a lot of it can be that we want to help. People want to help. We want to be very helpful for our friends, but because we're not quite sure what to do, we just go and try to fix it. And we, we say Absolutely. things that are just trying to, to fix them and because we, we want them to yes. be, be better. But And if you're the person who is dealing with this, um, we often, you know, we want to be known as mm. being stable and having things together yeah. and being able to move on. And, you know, I talked about being sometimes surprised by the emotions as well. And I certainly can speak to that from personal experience. When I decided to abort my pregnancy, I didn't really expect any anything afterwards. I just kind of thought it's kind of a reset and then you continue on with your life. And for me, of course, everyone's experience is unique, but the emotions for me were so strong and they were so painful and negative. I was very confused by that. And it seemed to me that it was inappropriate. It mm-hmm. seemed to me it was out of proportion, and so I tried to ignore them, and I tried to push them aside. But when that strategy didn't work, I already was struggling with an eating disorder, and then I found that this really triggered the eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so then it became when the emotions were overwhelming, I went back into old patterns of numbing out and numbing that through, um, in my case, it was it was through through binging, and then later on through periods of of, of not eating and, and losing a lot of weight. And and for those who have eating disorders, I know that they can really relate to that and understand. And so the focus then became more on the problem of my eating disorder than it became on these really uncomfortable emotions that I was feeling. And so sometimes an unhealthy behavior can, you can almost trace it right back to the, that moment would be the abortion and the time afterwards. Other times you look and you're like, oh, I kind of already had those unhealthy ways of coping with things beforehand. But then with the abortion experience, it all of a sudden becomes so much worse. Right, right. So uh, for you and your story, was there a clear connection for you with the eating disorder and your abortion? I mean, you you talked about it being a trigger and, and it was heightened, it sounds like, but... Did you did you see an obvious connection between those? I 
it's so, such a complicated thing. Yeah. There was a sense where when the emotions came up and I, I kind of understood that and I knew it was numbing them out. But to me, the really clear connection is when I actually was able to reach out for help. Mm. And then as I began to get more stability, I was able to, to see more of the connection that was there. But I also, at that point for myself... It had been now a couple years into this really heightened behavior. And I mentioned I already had an eating disorder, but it was never like this. It was mm. so out of control and really became, uh, was becoming debilitating for myself. And that's why I finally reached out for help. And I definitely needed to attend to those behaviors first and start to get some stabilization there and then was able to, as I was in a more healthy place, begin to to really deal with the emotions that were around the abortion. But of course, that's going to be, you know, certainly different for different people. Mm -hmm. And where for me, I was starting to get into a place where it was becoming almost a daily occurrence of practicing this. It was so compulsive and I didn't want to. I certainly didn't want to. There's There's definitely a misery that's in there. But for others, it may be that it's episodic. Like perhaps whatever unhealthy coping mechanism they use, it occurs maybe on the anniversary of the abortion or the anniversary of the due date, or there may, may be some other trigger. And so it may not be something that's a daily occurrence, but it still may be something that, of course, would be, be worrisome and perhaps even dangerous if it were happening even on an episodic basis for that individual. I thought it might be helpful to share some other stories. So I just yeah. kind of shared from from my perspective and wanted to read a story that had um, had been sent into abortionchangesyou.com. And so this lady says, I felt sad and empty as if a part of my soul had been taken away. As I look back at my life after the abortion, I realized that so many of the mistakes that I made and created for myself were due to the subconscious image I had created of myself. I had killed my own baby. How could anyone love me when I couldn't love myself? I began to drink heavily and use drugs. I had severe depressions in which I contemplated suicide. I had and still have horrible nightmares. I still get depressed and cry a lot. I longed to hold on to my baby so much that it hurts. I spent many years trying to push the memory of what I have done to the back of my mind, but it won't stay there. I have constantly compared my dead child to what he would have been doing had he lived. My child would have been in first grade this year. It's very hard for me to look at a first grader. Mm. So she's describing a trigger there. Yeah. Seeing children around that age, which is not uncommon. And it doesn't mean that it has to be a trigger that would send you into where she's talking about drinking and using drugs, but it could still be a trigger for someone where they're feeling sadness and it's bringing up these types of emotions. She's also describing depression 
and contemplating suicide. So this is a woman who's really struggling. She's at that, we kind of talked about that in earlier episodes, that there's a whole spectrum of how a person might be reacting afterwards. And so this is someone who's on that more extreme spectrum who is dealing with this. It's great that she wrote in her story. I certainly hope especially if she is contemplating suicide again, that this is something that she was able to be proactive with. And I think this is a time to pause and to just talk about that for a moment. So certainly, if you are contemplating suicide or if you suspect that somebody is, this is a time where, like, everything needs to stop. Yeah. And help needs to be sought in this case. Um could even be a 911 call if that's what is necessary. Um, but there are also other options that are available. There's a suicide helpline, 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. They can help you find local crisis centers. If you go on, if you just Google you know, mm-hmm. suicide prevention or suicide, you're going to find places where there are live chats that you can participate in. Perhaps it's someone that you are afraid that they're contemplating suicide or they've shared that with you. This is a great resource because you can talk to a live person after listening to the initial message and they will help to help you to assess mm-hmm. and then help to figure out what would be the appropriate interventions for that person. Right. And it is just so important with this particularly unhealthy behavior that it is addressed just right there. This isn't one to, to you know, ignore. It's not one to wait on. This is, this is something that does need to just be addressed immediately. Absolutely. And there are people, there are so many places that will help with this. Absolutely. Everything just needs to stop. You uh, call the suicide hotline, 800-273-8255. That's the suicide helpline. You can also go online and find resources as well. And we'll continue to talk about unhealthy behaviors when we come back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you need extra space? A1 Self Storage has the storage unit you need from closet size to garage. If you're looking to move, we have a huge selection of packing and moving supplies to help you move across town or across the country. Select locations are open for you 24-7, and we offer 51 convenient locations throughout California and Texas. Visit A1Storage.com. You can rent your storage unit completely online. Get started now at A, the number one, storage.com. We are surrounded by crises, domestic violence, mental health issues, rape, suicide, Often, we feel alone if we are dealing with these issues ourselves, or we feel powerless to help others who are dealing with them. You don't have to feel alone. Listen for The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope, with Jessica Pirro. 
The show is an open forum to share and get advice from others and guest experts and begin or continue the healing process. Listen live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome. This is Michael Lane. And this is Skylar. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's start by assuring you this is a safe place mm-hmm. to begin the conversation about the personal impact of abortion. And today we're focusing on unhealthy behaviors. And in our last segment, we had shared at the end of it a painful story of a woman who was struggling with, um, she was drinking, in her words, she's drinking heavily, using drugs. Um, was suffering from depression and had even contemplated suicide. And she had shared something earlier in her story where she talked about, for her, she viewed herself as a woman who had killed her own child. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to that. Now, those are, those are hard words to hear. Yeah. Those are words that I often hear when someone is struggling to this extent. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's understandable. And I had shared about my own emotions that were overwhelming and then the eating disorder that was out of control. And it's for me, I had the sense a child had died and I was the reason. And that's really for me, of course it's different for everyone, but this is where a lot of this was coming from and almost a sense of I deserve to be punished. Mm-hmm. And this is a common thread that I will hear from men and women who are struggling at the extremes of this is how now their identity almost is. And I think then it's easy to understand or easier to understand why someone would then want or need to numb that out or even to begin to think about taking their own lives. And although it is rare that someone would take their life um, after or the result of undergoing an abortion, it does happen. And, and, and there, there are those, those who do, and it actually comes, comes to mind of a young woman, Stacy Sally, had an abortion when she was 20 and didn't cope well with it did share with a couple friends. They tried to support her. 
but did not understand the depths of the grief and for her the self-condemnation. And even though she entered into some therapy, wasn't able to find a therapist at the time who really understood what she was going through. And on the anniversary of um, that abortion, she chose to take her own life and wrote a note saying that she was going to be with her baby. This is a very tragic case. And as you can imagine, that family is just destroyed. And they've now um, devoted themselves to creating, there's a website, stacyzally.org, that is there as a place, a neutral place that men, women, family members, and friends can go to. But Stacy's story really does point out that where, yes, this happens rarely, it does happen. And of course, Stacy's family would do anything to have her back with them. And any of us who has experienced loss or suicide in our family would feel the same way. So I'm just bringing that up because it is something to not take lightly. And if we hear someone who's sharing with us and that's how they begin to describe themselves, it's I killed my child, I'm a murderer, I hear those things, those are definitely some warning signs for you, signals, and then really begin to to see and maybe observe how that person is coping and, and yeah. trying to see if there's a way, if intervention is necessary to help them to get some help. Yeah, so I mean, that it's such a powerful story that you shared and you talked about some of the friends that were there. If, if we hear a story like this, let's say we, we have a friend, they're sharing that story, they do say these lines. I mean, when we're in the situation, standing there, what do you do? What is, what do you say? What do you do? I mean, do you probe a little bit deeper? Do you ask questions? Do you stand there and validate like some of our safe place tips have talked about? What, what is the action that you would say should be taken? Yes, and, and again, this is, this is more from a, coming from like a, a friend and a peer-to-peer yeah. rather than being an expert. And we already mentioned some resources, and one of them being the Suicide Helpline, 800-273-8255. And they do have individuals who can really help to walk you through. But in that moment, again, validating but also sharing with that person it is, an appro- is appropriate that you are concerned for them, mm-hmm. that you love them. You love them and you don't want any harm to come to them. Those messages of love and, and then they know they're not being judged and that mm-hmm. they're valuable. I think any messages about how valuable that they are and how you want no harm to come and how you want them to be around for a long time. And then you kind of have to take it, you have to kind of take it from there with the individual. If they really have actually shared that they're contemplating suicide, that's different. And it's certainly if they've shared a plan with you, that is that is stop everything, drop everything now. Mm-hmm. Um, call 911, call somebody, go with them to the ER. But short of that, if they're sharing other things, I think definitely asking some more questions. Also letting them know that that this is, this is they are not alone. Mm-hmm. They are not the only ones. There isn't 
shame in this. We struggle with things, and this would be a natural thing to struggle with. And then perhaps together you can look at things. We'll talk about that more in our yeah. in our safe place tip. But I think more that you know that, that the love you have and the value that that person has. Those are messages that they need to hear. I'd like to give another example. So we went kind of straight to the really extreme. So I wanted to share the story of a young woman. Um, we use, uh, she uses the name Alex. That's not her, her real name. And actually put her story with her permission into the book that I wrote, Changed, creating, um, sorry, Changed. Um, it's a place for someone who can um, make sense of their abortion experience. And she, Alex shared that she was engaged really in love with this guy, was it a had graduated college and a great career, kind of like everything was just moving forward the way that she dreamed that it would. And then she became pregnant. And for her, wasn't thrilled about it. The timing wasn't correct. But her assumption was that they would have this child. But her boyfriend, her fiance, disagreed with her. And he began to argue that they needed to have this abortion. They needed it to be able to reach their goals and to be able to move forward. And the more that Alex dug in saying she couldn't have the abortion, the more that her fiancé argued that they Mm -hmm. really needed to do this until she eventually gave in. And then after the abortion... Uh, did not cope well. She said, I felt the loss of our child from the core of my being. I grieved over my child, our child. I grieved over my inability to stay true to my beliefs. I felt off balance. I felt as though my center was gone. Ken was frustrated that I cried so often. His frustration quickly turned to anger. I would cry and he would yell. Whenever I tried to tell him how I was feeling, he'd storm out. The distance between us kept growing until we finally broke up two months later. The loss was unbearable. In fact, the losses were unbearable. I didn't want to come to an empty apartment, so I started working more hours. When I wasn't working, I filled my time with social activities. As long as I could fill my time with activity, as long as I wasn't alone, I didn't have to think. At some point, constantly going to the movies, eating out with friends, going to clubs, and buying new clothes from my ever-growing social life began to accumulate a hefty price tag. Even though I knew I was spending more than I was making, I kept right on spending. This was not a character for me. I'd always been responsible. I prided myself in how I managed my time, my finances, and myself. Now my debt was accumulating, and I didn't seem to have the power to stop it. I began to think my entire self-perception was a lie. I hated who I'd become, or perhaps I was simply getting to know the real me. The funny thing was, no one else knew. People looked at me and thought I had it all together. I was successful at my job, I had a lot of friends, and I was the life of the party. No one knew I was spinning out of control. No one knew I was filled with anger and grief. No one but me. 
So sometimes we think, if we think unhealthy behaviors, I think we kind of stereotypically think of drugs, alcohol, maybe yeah. even eating disorders. But we don't often think of overworking and overspending. Right, right. This is a, an unhealthy behavior that you probably wouldn't expect. But at the same time, it's when you heard the story, I mean, it, it was a normal kind of thing that she found herself falling into when she was trying to not address what she was feeling. Absolutely. She was trying to find something else, anything else to keep her from thinking about these things. And she talked about activity. She just, as long as she was doing something, as long as there was some activity, it meant that she didn't have to think about it. And so this was the activity. Absolutely. And Alex mentions a key thing as well that she had gone against her own beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that is a theme that I will hear. Now, obviously, that's not from everybody. But you could imagine how that could shake you to your core in this case. I met Alex. Alex Mm -hmm. heard me. I was at a luncheon and of professional women, and we were sharing, and she was there with her boss. And so, Alex, I shared what I was doing and a little bit of my story. And so, Alex ended up up reaching out to me, Hmm. learning she wasn't alone. In fact, that's what she said when we met for dinner. What a relief to know that she was not alone and that what she was going through was normal and that there was hope for her. And Alex was able then to get the help that she needed, which was so wonderful So when we come back, let's pick up and share our safe place tip for the week and also a few of the other unhealthy behaviors. And if anyone has a question, they can contact us at contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need extra space? A1 Self Storage has the storage unit you need, from closet size to garage. If you're looking to move, we have a huge selection of packing and moving supplies to help you move across town or across the country. Select locations are open for you 24-7, and we offer 51 convenient locations throughout California and Texas. Visit A1Storage.com. You can rent your storage unit completely online. Get started now at A, the number one, storage.com. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We're so glad that you're here with us today as we're in our final segment of wrapping up on unhealthy behaviors. And we shared some stories in our, our previous segments. And in this segment, I think it's just good. Let's let's just go over just kind of a, a list. Sometimes we don't yeah. think of these things as being unhealthy behaviors. Right. In the no. last story you talked about, compulsive spending, that that's not something we often think of no. as an unhealthy behavior. No. But there are a number of others that we probably also aren't thinking of, but could also need to be addressed. Absolutely. And of course, these are unhealthy behaviors that we may be able to trace back to the abortion experience, <laughs> or they maybe were already there beforehand, but now they have maybe worsened afterwards, or mm-hmm. maybe they're not related at all. I think yeah. the point is, if somebody is displaying an unhealthy behavior, whether it's me or someone who's close to me, getting support and help for that is certainly the outcome that we would like to see happen. So some of the things, um, anger, anger, and mm-hmm. that was a, uh, anger, anger, rage, anxiety, you know, struggling with anxiety, any of the compulsive disorders, self-cutting, which is something that has certainly been, been on the rise, depression. Perhaps you have difficulty getting close to other people. So you have a, a, maybe a fear of intimacy or a difficulty getting intimate with somebody else. We mentioned eating disorders. Perhaps all this talk of emotion and you're thinking, I feel no emotion at all. Well, frozen emotions definitely would be an unhealthy mm. behavior. Gambling or overspending, mood swings. What then our culture actually tends to uh, kind of honor is overworking, and yet that can really be detrimental to the individual and to their relationships, mm-hmm. and that can be as well. Perhaps there's phobias, or you find that you're doing a lot of, of risky behavior, that can as well. Perhaps for sexual dysfunction, we talked about suicidal thoughts, unhealthy or abusive relationships, which may or may not include actual physical violence. All of these would be unhealthy behaviors. Yeah, and it, it seems like a lot of these, I mean, we, we hear a lot of these sorts of emotions. I mean, anger is, is the first thing on that list. As an example, we hear that as an emotion a lot. And it seems like there's definitely a spectrum that these things fall on. And, and there are times when, you know, anger can be just an emotion. So many of these can be an emotion, but then there's that level at Absolutely. which it does become unhealthy to the point where help needs to, to so, happen. You know, we're at that point and we can kind of get the sense of that where, where it's, it becomes, it starts to define a person mm-hmm. or it begins to be debilitating to the individual, whether it is episodic or if it's over long periods of time. 
And that also leads, I think it'd be good to just take a moment to talk about what is uh, called complicated grief. So we've been talking about this grieving process as a normal process. There's not a right or wrong way to go through it. There's not a set timeline to go through it. But with that said, there are times when people can get stuck. They get stuck in the process and are unable to move forward without the assistance of others. And so um, I think this, I, we can talk about this. This kind of leads us straight into um, mentioning, we like to mention a resource. Mm-hmm. One resource is on abortionchangesyou.com. There is under the Healing Pathways, there is a page that lists unhealthy behaviors and under each of those unhealthy behaviors there are websites and phone numbers that people can call but on that list there's also something called signs of complicated grief and so it lists some things like anxiety dull sense of feeling fear or avoidance of children flashbacks nightmares rage difficulty sleeping difficulty concentrating maybe you can't even remember the events around the abortion. If these are some of our symptoms that someone has been um, suffering from for a month or more and at an intensity level where it is in some way interfering with your daily life, mm-hmm. this is a clear sign of this is something that probably needs some attention. And reaching out to somebody, sharing that with them, and then finding perhaps a professional in this case to consult with to verify that this is what's going on, and then they can help you through that process. Which I think rolls right into our safe place tip. Right, right. So one thing we do every week is is give a safe place tip for that person who's maybe with a friend, a family member, someone who's who's maybe dealing with a loss due to abortion and and you want to just help. So the safe place tip for this week, we've already talked about it a bit. Um, So, I mean, it's not really a new concept that you haven't heard on this episode yet, but it's, it's really about what do you do when you see signs of an unhealthy behavior? When you're talking with someone and they're telling their story and it's apparent there's some unhealthy behavior going on, what do you do? And I think the the thing that we have been talking about that we want to go back to is that, you know, we're not experts on these unhealthy behaviors. And it's it's likely that you as the helper are also not an expert. So the the tip for this week is really to to be there for them, but help them be there with them to get the help they need, figure out where they can go. Help them get the help. And there's so much that you can do to educate yourself, which is the which is the great place to start with all of this. So we were mentioning this this page on abortionchangesyou.com on healthy behaviors. And under each of those lists of potential unhealthy behaviors, there are nationally recognized website organizations that have websites and phone numbers. And so you can then access that. You might want to start out on the website and start looking there. They often have tools where you can look at, well, here are maybe some signs or symptoms. Mm -hmm. Do you or does the person that you're trying to help, do they have any of these? But there are typically phone numbers that you can call into as well, and they can walk you through that. 
I know I've taken advantage of that for some people who are in my life. And it's been really helpful because I don't know, like I'm worried and I'm concerned, but to be able to talk to someone and say, this is what I'm observing. And then they're helping me to assess and then also giving me sometimes helpful language, Mm -hmm. uh, pointing me towards resources and supporting me as well. You know, as a helper, we need support as well. It can be a really scary thing and intimidating to do this. And especially if we are expressing our concern for someone. I remember a friend who I actually did express to her, like, I, it, it sounds to me like your eating disorder has something to do with your abortion. And she promptly got up and slammed the door and left. That was really hard. And I really needed some support with that. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, she called me back a couple weeks later and said, I thought about what you said and how you shared it with me, and I think you're right, and I'm going to check it out. So we can play that role for others of being able to do that, always being present, expressing Mm -hmm. our love and affection for them, expressing how valuable they are, and that we just want them to be well. And then we can help them to figure out, is or isn't there something there? And then point them in the right direction. And if there is an unhealthy behavior, often that unhealthy behavior will need to be addressed first before you can actually continue on in the grieving process. And we'll be posting that on Facebook. Yep. Facebook. Our Facebook page is Facebook slash creating a safe place. You can go there, like the Facebook page. You can leave comments for us. Feel free to share anything we post there. And we do have the safe place tips uploaded every week. Wonderful. And next week we will be heading into talking about identifying losses. Right. As we've talked about before, there there are often a lot of different losses. So we'll be discussing that. Yes, so we really, we hope that you will join us again next week here to begin and continue this conversation as we talk about how we may be impacted by abortion, that we're not alone, and that there are so many resources available to move through the grieving process. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another edition of Life After Abortion next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, we're here to help you.